All right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. Um, we are appreciative of every opportunity that we get from the Lord <clears throat> to be able to share his word and to just study his word. It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to do uh, to do so. Um, it's not it's not promised, not even guaranteed, not even almost um, and so when we have these opportunities to study the word of God and to get something out of the word of God, I just believe that that gratitude is the right attitude in that uh, situation, because God, he surely could at any time, um, you know, not allow it to be so. But here we are. We're together again. This is the first lesson of the new year. Um, and we are thankful. Uh, we are thankful. We're wrapping up our study in Psalms 27. So let's go ahead and get right into that. Um, the word of God says, um, starting at Psalms 27, starting at verse number one, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies <clears throat> and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore <clears throat> will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. For hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. As always, may God have a blessing to those that read here and especially do his word. As I've said before, I will always um, as, 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 as often as it comes to mind, reiterate this, the blessing is in the obedience. We are in the fifth lesson, brothers and sisters. Um, we're in the fifth lesson of, um, of this, uh, of this series that we've been dealing with. Um, our scripture text primarily is based out of verse number, uh, uh, look at verse number 11 <clears throat> says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Now that's the text that we've been exploring um, and uh, pretty much pretty exclusively for the last couple of lessons. And there's just so much in here. I love God's word because there never is 
Uh, there never is a dull moment. There's so much to get out of every scripture. You really, we really do ourselves a disservice the quicker we move in the word of God. You, if you if you move too fast or you just want to hurry up and get through, you want to get some reading done and that sort of thing, you're going to miss it. You're, I, I can tell you that you're going to miss it. And the reason why I can tell you that is because I missed it. There are so many things in the scriptures that I can remember th- reading it prior to the point in which I ended up getting some understanding or in-depth understanding on it. I can remember reading those same scriptures at an earlier point in my life and just didn't really get anything. And I'm not talking about the situation where, um, where, oh, well, God just doesn't have it for you at the time or, or he, or it's, it's kind of shrouded from you. I'm not talking about that scenario. There are times and there are scenarios where there are some truths, issues, um, concepts, ideas, whatever you want to call it. There are some, but probably the best word is truths. There are some truths in the scripture that you don't get until an appointed time. You can read that scripture over and over and over and over and over. You are just not going to get it. It's going to be at another point in time, which you read that scripture and you get it. Now that is true. And that does happen. But I do submit this to you. There are also times where that's not the case. And the reason that you get it is that you don't get it. Rather, the reason you don't get anything out of what you're reading is not because you you haven't reached the place and the time where God would reveal it to you. No, you're pretty much there and God would reveal it to you. But the reason why you and I sometimes don't get anything is because we're moving too quick. We're not we're not taking time with the Lord. We're not, we're just blowing through the word through the scripture and we're not allowing God to actually spend some time um, talking to us. We just, um, it it becomes a little bit mechanical really in a, in a way going through the motions and, 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 and I submit there's a whole lot that we miss not because God wouldn't give us the knowledge, but because we won't sit still long enough pondering the word of God meditating over the word of God to get what God actually has for us. So we want to make sure that we are not just hearers of the word. We are doers of the word. And, 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 and that's important because doing the word is the truest sign that you actually heard the word. If you don't, if you don't do it, you didn't hear it. Amen. Okay. Now, Look at verse number, let's look at verse number 11 and 12. We're going to look at verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Now we've learned quite a bit about this already. Okay. We, we've, we've covered um, the, um, the, the, the depth of, of much of this. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Okay. And lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. We talked about the way of God in previous lessons, and we talked about the the different pathways in this world. Now, not multiple paths to God. Now, note, I didn't say that, never said any of that in any of the lessons. There's only one way to God, but there are many different pathways or ways of living in which people can choose. You need only look at those around you in society, um, spend a little time talking to some of them, and it will become very apparent very quickly that um, people live all kinds of different ways. People have, it only takes a, just, a, just a little while 
in conversation with people and you can start to kind of get a feel for them, a feel for where their attitude is, a feel for what their mindset is, a feel for what's important to them and what isn't important to them. You just need to spend a little time talking to people and, 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 and um, hearing their story. And as you allow people to talk and you listen to their story, you're going to pick up on little cues, little things about their character and their way of doing things and what and all of this culminates will culminate into, um, especially if you spend enough time to get enough of the information. Well, what it culminates into is the or displays is the path. It demonstrates the mindset of, of the individuals shows the path that they've chosen to take or the type of way that they've chosen to follow what kind of person they want to be many people have many people have chosen all kinds of different ways not everybody has chosen the way of God we wish everyone would but they don't some have chosen all other sorts of ways and if you talk with them for just any link for just a little little while you'll pick up on that. You'll be able to see who doesn't think the way you think. You'll be able to see who doesn't share the same ideas, the same belief, the same views, anything. In fact, you'll be able to see who you have much in common with. You'll see who you don't have much in common with. You'll see those who are teeter-tottering on the verge of going one way or the other in their belief system and in their way of living. You'll, you'll all of these things and you get, and you'll glean all of this just from spending a little bit of time talking with people. And I actually want to submit something to you here. And that, and that is, is that I'll encourage you to spend some time. You're not going to know. You, listen, the word of God, brothers and sisters, absolutely will cure what ails you. Now, what do I mean by that? I am talking about you as a person. Okay. I'm not talking I'm not talking in the physical sense right now. I'm talking about you as a person right now, okay? We'll talk about physical stuff at another point, but I want to talk about that that you as a person, what's internal and what is intrinsic to you. Okay? Now, that being said, okay, the word of God will correct you on every level. God's word has the ability to straighten you up. If you are out of alignment, you are not going in the right direction. If you are all somewhere else where you're not supposed to be, the word of God, if you will be obedient, if you will hear and you will obey what the word says, the word of God will transform your life for the better. Amen. What do you mean for the better? It'll transform you for the better because if you're obeying the word of God, and I'm not talking about all your, uh, according to what you want to do, but according to what the word says, if you will obey the word of God, according to what the Bible says, that ultimately will put you in right fellowship with God because you got to do all of it. And that includes salvation. Amen. All of that. It, it'll straighten you up. But, but, but not only will it, not only will it put you in right relationship with God, but obeying the word of God will correct you on a moral level, okay? It'll correct the way you think. If there's anything within you that's a little bit off, that, that's 
quite not that that's just a little bit of skew, just not quite centered up and lined up correctly. The word of God has the ability to go in, pull out all the trash that you and I don't need and put in and install everything that we do need. That, that's one reason why I love God so much. And I'm so grateful to God for what he's done for me. I hope you're grateful for what he's done for you, but I can't talk about it from your perspective. But from my perspective, I am grateful for what God has done for me. Because when I look at myself, there are just so many things at times that I, I'm disappointed in or I or or I see where, you know what, man, I, I really, I needed to do better. I dropped the ball in that, in that area. I, I didn't rise to the occasion. But the word of God keeps, is continuously working on me. And though I might have struggles today, those today's struggles will not always be my tomorrow struggle because as I continue to pursue the word of God, as you continue to pursue life with God through obedience to the word of God, God, I guarantee you, is going to pull out and pull off the things that you don't need, the things that I don't need. One scripture talking about the healing um, that Jesus provided. Um, to, to a group of lepers, the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. And I know that some of you are listening to this or someone who will listen to this, no matter where you are in the world or what time of day it is, or what's going on, what your government is like, or our government, if you're, if, if you're in the same country or wherever it is, let me tell you, the word of God is universal and it don't matter where you are. This stuff works. It's going to work. Look, it's going to work in, in my country. It's going to work in your country. The word works. Jesus shed that blood for salvation to bring us back into fellowship. And it works here in my country, works over in your country. It works at your job. It works at my job. It works in my home. It works in your home. The word of God works. Oh, yes, it does. The word of God works. And if you will let him work, no matter where you are, the word of God will change you. It will transform you. Many people want their situations to be transformed and that to be changed. But more often than not, Situations and circumstances change as a product or a byproduct of the people in those situations and circumstances being changed. We often want the cart before the horse. We want God to change everything else, fix everything else. We don't even, we, we, and, 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 and when we ask God for that, what we don't mean is for God to fix us, but that's actually the process. When you say God, God heals, fix, delivered, whatever it may be, many times in order for that to happen, the change is going to first start in you. Are you up for it? Are you ready to be changed? Are you ready to let go of some things? Have you considered that you have things to let go? Have, has the truth about who you actually are? Has it been put off and, 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 and tucked in a corner somewhere so that you can avoid it and not really look at it? It's time to take off who take out out of the closet and dust off who you really are. Stop trying to hide it. 
because the person who hides his sin, the scripture teaches, will not prosper. It's time to pull that out and it's time to present that before the Lord. It's time to get some forgiveness on all of that. See, because sin in scripture, sin can only be dealt in one of two ways. I've said this before in lessons past. I'm going to say it again. Sin can only be dealt with in one of two ways. Now, the overarching thing is that sin must be dealt with. Oh, it's going to get dealt with. One way or the other, it's going to get dealt with. And when it is dealt with, it is dealt with in only one of two ways. It must either be forgiven or pardoned or it must be paid for. That's it. Those are the only two options given for sin. You either need forgiveness for sin, you need to be pardoned for your sin, or you're going to have to pay for your sin. Now, Jesus went to the cross and straightened out all of the payment aspect so that you don't have to pay for it. You can actually have your sins remitted or forgiven, but you have to want it. God is not going to force salvation on you and you can't get it remitted doing it according to your interpretation. No, you got to do what the Bible says. Do if you are unclear on that, just open up the book of Acts, uh, start at chapter two and read, start at verse 36 and read all the way through. That is the example when the dirt, when the church, when the, when the doors of the church are open, how folks got into the church, how do I be saved? That tells you exactly what you got to do. That's what they did. Everything that they did, everything that they got, everything that they received, you got to do, you got to get, you got to receive. Amen. 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 It's good stuff. Amen. Now, with this, so we learned that there are many different ways. And yes, if you look long enough, you're going to find, um, spend some time, you'll find people living all kinds of different ways. And I said that I submit to you that you, you, you should spend some time talking with people. You should, you, you, you should find out. Uh, the, from those am among you or you're around, you know, where the head is on things, you know, as much as possible, because the word of God speaks to every situation. And if you will listen and hear the story of someone else, just spend some time letting them talk. Then what will happen is, is that if you are in tune with the spirit of God, God will give you a scripture or give you the words to speak to that person in that situation. That's how awesome and powerful the God, the word of God is. It's universal. It'll work. It'll work. No matter where you are, country, place, time, doesn't matter. It works. It works. But if you don't spend time hearing what's going on, if you just close your eyes to everything and you're not listening to the plight of your fellow man, simply because right now that person is not saved like you are. No, 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 no. Your mission, our, my mission is to those that are lost. We're following in the footsteps of Jesus, brothers and sisters. And his, and his, and his, and his mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. That's our mission also. We participating. Now, we're not the ones who are doing the saving, but we're participating in the process. We're working and we're becoming the hands and the feet and the arms and, of the Lord. He's working through us to reach those that are lost. He's saving folks one soul at a time. 
That's how he's chosen to do things. And so God has tasked us with doing that, with assisting in that. Amen. Now, when we move, let me segue here. When we move back into our text, verse 11, Psalms 27, teach me thy way, O Lord. Okay. Armed now with the understanding that there are many different ways for people to choose. People can do whatever it is they want to do. They're, they're free to choose whatever path they want. Understanding now that, yes, scripture also encourages you to choose. Okay. But understanding that scripture not only encourages you to choose, but it cautions you to choose wisely. Because, yes, you have the freedom to choose, but not every choice is going to be advantageous or it's going to be helpful to you. We gave a number of scriptures for you guys to look at. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. Um, there, there's Proverbs 14 and 12. There's Proverbs 16 and 25. There uh, is the book of Ecclesiasticus, chapter 37, verses 27 through 28, for those of you who have those access to those, those scripture set. Amen. Okay. But we also learned that there comes a time where you have to choose. You're not going to be able to stay on the sideline forever. Okay. A lot of people want to, but they can't. And scriptures that we gave you for that were Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 14 through 19, Jeremiah 21, verse number eight, and Joshua 24, verse number 15. Joshua 24 is probably one that many of you can quote uh, by heart. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we learned, we talked about all of those things because it comes time where you got to choose. Okay. We also even went as far as talking about death in scripture and what death actually represents. We represent that there's multiple types of death that's referenced in the scripture. And it really just depends on the context in which you're dealing with. We learned about physical or natural death, or this would be considered the, the first death. And then we learned about the spiritual or soul death, death of the soul. Okay. That would be referred to as the second death. Okay, that one is reserved for those who are sentenced during judgment. And we learned the scripture set to prove that out um, is found in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Amen. Then we talked about the way of death, um, how and we, we summed up very, pretty much the way of death. Okay, it's some and we said really it's summed up in Jeremiah 21 and 8. It's summed up in Proverbs 14 and 12. And it's pro, and it's summed up in 16. Uh, Proverbs 16 and 25, which says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Amen. Seem like it's a good idea, but it ain't really a good idea. The way of death is comprised, we said, family, of many avenues or and paths for us to take. Okay, so the way of death, singular, the way of death, is really made up of all of many branching paths and avenues. Okay. Amen. These paths are they're numerous. It's almost too numerous to account, really. And all of them together, though, when you put them together collectively, they refer to the way of death because any one of them can lead you there. Any one of them will lead you there. 
The way of death in scripture, we learn, it doesn't necessarily mean or always um, refer to, you're not always talking about the physical side of it, okay? The natural death, no. But generally when it's being referenced in scripture, generally it's being, it's um, the death that we're talking about for the most part, or when we talk about the way of death, generally the way of death in scripture refers to that eternal separation. So that second death, okay? Or spiritual death, amen, amen. Now, with all of this knowledge, okay? David says in Psalms of 27, 11, teach me thy way and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Now, in verse 11, David makes a request of God. Okay. Teach me thy way. Hey, glory to God. Teach me thy way. This is what he's saying. Teach me thy way. Being a child of God, we learn, comes with rights and privileges. Okay. And one of the rights, one of the privileges that we get is the right and the privilege to make requests of God. We can ask God for things. That's one of the benefits of being a child of God. So this is why you, this is one reason. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why you want to be saved because you get to have an audience with God. Man, it's some benefits that come along with being saved. You get to talk with God. You get to go straight to the top. Man, listen, when you, when you get God, <laughs> when you get God, you got it all. Because let me give you an example. You know how sometimes, have you ever had to, um, I don't know, um, uh, have you ever had to call customer service for something? For any for any reason, and 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 if you you're listening to this, you probably have had your fair share of this of this experience. But but can you think back to a time when you had to call customer service for anything? Okay, um, and perhaps you called them because something didn't work. Maybe you purchased something or you got something, and and the thing just started you know kind of conked out on you. Didn't it's not it's not working the way it's supposed to. So you call customer service to try to get this thing all worked out. The first thing you notice is is that they that the when you call the number you don't even talk to a live person starting out okay you end up going probably into a phone tree a dial tree okay and and in this dial tree you're that you keep hearing an automated message that's telling you if you want this press this if you want that press that and so you're going through the whole dial tree and you're trying and you're slowly inching your way closer to talking to a live um representative but you got to keep going. And, and as you keep going, you finally, finally make your way through the phone tree and you get a hold of a live person only to discover that the live person is either unhelpful because they just have, I don't know, maybe having a bad day or don't want to help, or they just don't have access to whatever it is that they need in order to help you. So as you're listening to this person and you and and for whatever reason, regardless of the reason why they can't help, you reach the point where you say, you know what? I need to talk to your manager or let me talk to somebody that's above you. Why? Because you want to get something, you need to get something done, right? And you realize that at the level that you're on, they're not going to be able to help you. And if you really want something done, you're going to have to go to the top. So you make that request. 
to speak to the manager. Well, when you've got God, <laughs> you got an opportunity, you got a personal hotline, so to speak, right to the top. You don't have to go through the phone tree. You don't have to go through all of those different things. When life gets going and 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 you just don't know what to do, or regardless of the circumstance or situation, might not necessarily be a bad thing. Um, we tend to associate with bad things, but it, that isn't the case. Every day is not bad. In fact, the good outweighs the bad. But the point is, is that when you are saved according to the word of God and you are in fellowship and in alignment with God, you, my friend, have access to God every day, every night, no matter what the hour is, no matter what, he doesn't take a day off. There's no, there's no, there, there's no good time and bad time or a uh, worse time or better time. No, you are able to talk to God. And so you get that privilege. So you want that's a that's a benefit and you want that. And though we and, and we learned that Philippians four and six gives us makes that very plain to us. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we have that and we can unpack that. But we're going to leave that the way it is for right now. OK, though. And, and but because we also learned that although we have the right. Exercising the right comes with guidelines. So you can you have the right to ask, but you cannot just be all over the place with it. And we looked at James one, uh, chapter uh, chapter one verses five through eight. You can look at Luke chapter eleven, and verse nine. Okay, those are things that we those are things that we um, that we learned and things that we that we looked at. We have a right to ask. David in verse eleven, Psalms twenty seven says, "Teach me." thy way, O Lord. He makes a request and lead me in a plain path because, amen, of mine enemies. Though we have a right to ask, exercising the right is not without guidelines. Amen. It's not without guidelines. Look at James chapter one, and let's look at verses five through eight. The word of God says this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's literally why he told you, if you lack wisdom, to ask for wisdom. Notice he didn't bring up nothing else other than wisdom. Because wisdom brings stability. When wisdom is present and accounted for, you know what to ask for and when to ask for it. Amen. That's what happens when you get wisdom. When you get wisdom, you, you, are, you become a enabled to discern not just what to ask for. You know what you should be. When I say that, what should I be asking for in this situation? Wisdom allows you to do that. And wisdom also allows you to know when to ask for it. 
So that's why he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's, that's the reason why he covers that here in James. He doesn't cover anything else. He says, let him ask, let him ask for wisdom. That's what he tells you, if you lack wisdom. Then he goes on. And he tells him, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. And he goes on to describe a scenario of instability. That's why the, where the waves of the sea come in and the wind driving the sea. And he uses that as an example of instability. Okay. When, when, when we're not grounded in what, when we're not grounded in wisdom and we're not, we're not grounded in, in, in the Lord and we're not, we're not stabilized. And so we're asking, but we don't really believe that he's going to answer or that he can answer. Or if I even should be asking for it, just unstable. So much so that verse eight says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you come to God and you're asking God for things, you brothers and sisters, you can't come to God. It's not good to come to God where, Lord, I need, I think I need this. I think I need that. I think it's this. I think it's this. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. You don't have to settle for, I think. When God has given us a way to discern what we actually need. You just need wisdom because wisdom will allow you to assess what is happening and going on around you and in your life and then determine what is needful and what is appropriate. You will also, through wisdom, gain the ability to determine or to discern correct timing. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom allows you to discern what you need. Wisdom allows you to discern when you need it. Wisdom allows you to discern these things. And so you're encouraged to what? Ask. But if you pay to the, if you start paying attention to the B portion of verse number six, all the way through, as it starts to talk about that instability, what you're learning there is that there are guidelines to asking. I can ask, I can request, but I got to be settled. I got to be, I got, but when I do so, I got to do so in faith. There's guidelines. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse nine. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. Notice what the Lord says. Because he outlines both the privilege and the guidelines, all in the same scripture. I say unto you, ask. That's the privilege. And it shall be given to you. That's the response. That's, again, part of the privilege, right? 
seek. That's part of the privilege. And ye shall find. Knock is part of the privilege. And it shall be open unto you. Now, watch this. I gave you the word ask. I gave you the word seek. And I gave you the word find. All right? Or the scripture gives us, gives us that. And I said, ask, seek. I'm sorry, not find. The last one is knock. Ask, seek, and knock. And I said all of those are privileges. They are. But they are also guidelines because they are requirements in order to get. Notice what is not listed here. He did not say take. You see ask, you see seek, and you see knock. You do not see take. You do not see just grab. There's a whole lot of people that get a whole lot of stuff missed, just all mixed up in just in just <laughs> in this religious landscape. We sometimes, man, we have got, we have, we have, we have prayer looking like and, and seeking God looking like it's just reach up and grab, reach up and take what you have. The scripture don't teach you to take, just take nothing. Like it, <laughs> it's not teaching you to take it. Now, there are some areas where the Lord teaches you to take some things. So I don't want to tell you that it's not it, that there aren't some instances of, of where there are some things, but they're, they're very specific. But when we are talking about the day-to-day -day life and interaction and interacting with God, whereby I need to go to God in order to get something, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. If you ask, he says, the, the, the benefit is that you're going you're gonna to get it. If you seek it, the benefit is that you're going to find it. If you knock, the benefit is, is that it's gonna, the door is going to be open. But you will not get if you do not ask. You will not find if you do not look. And you will never be able to move to the inside or the other side of a door if you do not knock. The guideline is that you must ask, you must seek, and you must knock. Do I have the right privilege to ask all these? Yes. But there is a way. I've got to ask. See, when you ask, instead of just trying to take, you are showing respect and you are acknowledging that you are not the source and someone else is. Glory to God. Glory to God. When you seek, instead of just assuming, 
that you have this and you have that. But when you go after, when you pursue God, when you pursue the things of God, You demonstrate faithfulness. In that your faith does not remain stagnant, but instead it motivates you and propels you to get up and actually do something. When you knock, As opposed to just trying to barge your way in somewhere. You show honor and respect. To the fact that you need somebody. assistance in order to move forward because you don't control what's on the other side you need somebody to let you in ask seek knock we have the right to ask but we can't just ask for anything. Look at James chapter four, verse number three. Just stick a pin in it. We'll get there. We, we, we will, we're going to talk about that in just a second here. We cannot ask for just anything. Because what we can ask for, you got to keep this in mind, cannot be requested any kind of way. See how your request, your requests, to God come, it matters. It matters. How you request the thing from God matters. Hence, we just read it in Luke 9. Ask, seek, knock. In order to obtain from God, you must ask, you must seek, and you must knock. It matters how you come to God. See, we got to talk about this because many times, many that we... I don't know what it is, but if you're listening to this, maybe you've had this experience or you have noticed this, this, this strange phenomenon, but among those who um, call themselves the saints of God, and perhaps they are, we're not here to critique that. Amen. We're not, we're not here for, to critique that, but many of us so-called believers, and we're all guilty, and many of us are guilty of it. I know I've been guilty of it at times. 
And that strange phenomenon is, is, is this is a mindset that we bring or this attitude that we bring to our requests to God. It's almost like a, just a demanding that God, or almost like an ordering God around, Lord, do this, Lord, heal, Lord, I declare I this and all of these different things. And it's almost like we just ordering God around like he's like our servant or something. It's this weird, it's this weird thing. And before I knew better, you know, I, 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 I used to do the same thing. And because I had done it for so long, I still got to catch myself when I start to fall or slip into that. Because such a thing really shouldn't be done. God has given you and I the privilege and the opportunity to ask, and he's willing to help or whatever. But man, we still got to show some respect. We can't just demand any and everything from God as if he got it, like he's our personal butler or something. And many of us are guilty of that. When we pray, we pray with such ferocity. That man, it would be hard pressed to, I wonder, you know, when God, and sometimes I have to wonder, God, when you see me asking like this and us asking like this, does our love at all even come across? Because I know I'm having a hard time of seeing it. Just demanding God, ordering God around. When did I get big and bad enough and powerful enough to boss God around? Is not he the boss and I'm the employee? When did that reverse? Sometimes we, we have, because we have such a misunderstanding of our position and our place in God, we operate in ways that we probably, that are really not the most respectful to God. We fall into the habit of ordering God and commanding God and these things. And, and, and the reason why I think we miss it, you know, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to say, but the reason why I think we probably miss it, don't see it as us bossing God around and us ordering God. The reason why we probably miss that little fact is because somewhere along the line, We've made making these claims, these ferocious, these, these, these demanding, and that's really, and that's what, this not asking, we're demand, we make demands of God. And the reason why I believe that we miss it is, is because we somewhere along the line, the religious community has, <laughs> Christianity or has somehow along the line has associated that stuff with faith. So we have told ourselves and tell ourselves that when we demand these things and, and we do all stuff, that we are speaking in faith. And I'm going to tell you something. No, we're not. When you and I demand things of God, when you and I start ordering God around and trying to boss God around, let me, let me just go ahead and tell you, we're being disrespectful. I may have a loved one who's sick in body. And I may have been given the privilege in the word 
to ask for healing. But I must remember that the privilege that was given me was the privilege to ask, not demand. I may want God to bless this person and that person with a job or any sort of thing. But I don't, but I've never been given the right or the privilege to demand that God go and do that. And we do that so much. I'm telling you, you don't have to go that far. If you've never paid attention to it, just, I invite you, just start listening to the way some of the so-called seasoned individuals in your church or wherever you is, how they pray. Or pay attention to how you pray. And you'll pick up very, very quickly that there seems to be a lot of demanding and ordering of God around. It's hard for us to understand at times, especially in areas when we deal with sickness and things like that. It's hard because we know on the one hand that by his stripes, as the scripture teaches us, we are healed. That the Lord purchased our healing through the stripes that he took on his back while he was on his way to Calvary to die for sins that he did not commit. And sometimes it's difficult for us when we know that scripture to not think along the lines of, Lord, heal this person because you said, because the word tells us, teaches us, it is written that by your stripes, we are healed. But that, that scripture was never meant to teach you. that receiving healing in any in in every circumstance comes down to a simple matter of healing being made available through the stripes that Jesus took in order to purchase it but so often we we treat healing as if it's just a matter of the fact that he took stripes but it's more to it than that and the lord never gave us that scripture in order to teach us that erroneous idea That receiving healing is based on the fact that Jesus took stripe. That's ridiculous. There are so many other factors that go into healing. Because many, because yes, he purchased healing with his stripes, but you got to understand, he purchased it. It belongs to him. And in his good pleasure, he shares it with us, but 
family. It is his prerogative to share it. It's his decision when and when not to apply healing. The healing that was purchased by his stripes. Because see, that healing is not just physical healing. But that's the healing of your soul, which simply refers to being restored to right fellowship. It matters how you ask. It matters how I ask. We got to move away from this attitude of demanding and ordering God. God is still sovereign and he reserves the right to say no or to say not yet. And we got to stop operating with the mindset that is little more than an assumption that God's answer has to always be yes because of the work of the cross. The work of the cross does not translate into an automatic yes to any and everything that I ask God for, even if that thing is according or in line with the scripture. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that. I know this is this is this is this is food. This is meat. This is not this this not milk of the word stuff. This is this is these are some these are some these are some some deeper concepts. Some stronger meat for you to chew on. And somebody listening to this, you hadn't thought about this. You've been operating under the under the, the, the mindset of going along with the crowd, just asking and demanding for God, but it's time to grow up. You got to stop coming to God like that. You can't run up on God and just be like, give me all your stuff. It don't work like that. Malachi 6 and 8, will a man rob God? Yes, man got the audacity to try to rob God. We got to start respecting God more than what we do, more than what we've been doing. God is holy, family. And it's time to go back to treating him like that. Coming to him knowing that you are absolutely partaking of a privilege that does not have to be. Show respect. It's time to start going back to saying, Lord, if the Lord will. We've gotten away from praying if the Lord will. Because somewhere along the line, somebody to put it in our head, maybe ourselves. We done got it in our mind that if we say, if it's the Lord's will, and if the Lord does this, and if the Lord says that, 
we've gotten got it in our mind that somehow when we talk that way, we are showing a lack of faith. But the scripture teaches us to do that. The scripture literally tells us to say, if the Lord will. These are the things that we got to get back to. If you look at James 4 and 3, and we're going to come to a close here. Verses 2 and 3 says this. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Because ye ask not. I told you, guidelines, asking is important. And then look at what he says in verse number three. Ye ask. I mean, some of you are actually, literally are asking. And receive not. Some of you are asking, but you're not getting what you ask for. I know I've been there, and I know some of you have been there too. And watch the apostle explain the reason. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Word lusts there means your desires. Your desire, your, your, your source of happiness, whatever that is. That's what that particular word lust means. It's your source of joy. It's, it's whatever that thing is that you, that you just got to have that you want. But he says, you ask and you don't receive, you receive not because you ask amiss. And amiss simply means that you ask wrongly or badly. That's literally what that means. You ask incorrectly. And I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. It matters how you ask. Jesus paid the price for your sin so that you and gave you the privilege to ask, to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace. Yes, you have all that. But brothers and sisters, that is not a blanket invitation to just come rolling into the throne room any way that you want to. And, you know, talking any, listen, you are still before his majesty. You are standing before the king. When you come in the name of Jesus, you are coming before the king. Watch your tongue. You're not standing before anybody. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. You are standing before 
God Almighty, and he has a heaven and a hell, and he can decide which one to put you in. Mind your manners when you come before God. Take the arrogance out of your voice and out of your request. Humble yourself. I know this is practical stuff. This is like, this is really basic stuff, but we need this. We need this because we don't associate this kind of stuff with, but this is everyday living. This is where we are. We talk to God every day, all many times all day, and we don't pay attention to how we're talking to him. We're just totally being disrespectful. And that's not something that we want to do. So brothers and sisters, respect God enough to come before him, not just with praise and thanksgiving, but with reverence. Because after all, it is the king of the universe that has given you the opportunity to come before him. So act like you understand that you are standing before the king of everything who can do anything and be grateful for any and everything, even if he does not do what you're asking him to do. Be thankful that you are able to have an audience with God because even if God does not do what you want him to do, he is guaranteed to do what you need him to do. Brothers and sisters, that's all the time that we have for today. God bless you. I pray that this, this lesson has been a blessing to you. Share it with somebody. We'll pick this back up next week. Until then, God bless you and have a very happy, happy new year. We'll stop the recording here. Wow.